0: Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So we are coming to the end of a series that has just been so um, important for me and hopefully for you and what we are and what we are about as as a church. And we really just take the name of our church, Market Street Church, kind of really just sort of pull the layers back on that and dissect that a little bit uh, to, to, to say that uh, we are a church that wants to be on mission. That's our church. That's our goal. That's our, why we exist. We want to be on mission. We want to take our mission to the market. Uh, that's where those that maybe don't know Jesus, don't have a relationship with him, uh, haven't experienced his love and his grace and his kindness. And they, they should they should want to or see that, experience that in you and I. And so we need to take our mission to the market. We need to go from the seat. We don't want to just be people who come and gather and sit in seats, but we want to take that out to to the street. And we want to just be the church. That's what we want to do. We want to be Uh, the church that God has called us to be. Going to church, if you would have said that to, you know, a first century uh, Jesus follower, going to church, that would have made no sense to them. Going to church, going to church, you mean gather, you know, ecclesia, um, yeah, yeah, worship, you know, break bread, prayer, open up, you know, the God's word. um, But man, being the church, that would have been something that they would would have resonated with them and they would have understood. And so, Going to church is more something that is in our culture today and, and the idea of what church is today, going to church. But God, the design of church has been to, for us to be be the church uh, to, a, to a world that needs needs to see the love of Jesus. And so we, we used to just a, as a recap, I know we've t- talked about a number of weeks um, as sort of just a review of where we're at. Um, we want to be centered on Jesus. That's what we want to be. Um, not only our, this church, but you, you, you sh- your life, our, our, lives should be centered on Jesus. Um, ha- we want to have a kingdom of heaven mentality. That was the kind of mentality that Jesus had. He had a, he had a, a perspective that was different than what our perspective is. Um, his perspective was on a kingdom that was eternal and that was his mentality. That was the way he thought. That was the way he interacted. That was the way he saw relationships. He, it was an, etern- an eternal, perspective. It was a kingdom of heaven, not a kingdom of this earth mentality. Uh, We want to just be godly. We want to be like Jesus. That, that's what our, hopefully your goal, your desire. You want to be more like Jesus. Be in God's word. We want to just, the, the authority of scripture, we want to be in God's word. Um, it's, it's what guides us, it guards us, it leads us. It, 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 it's the lamp unto our feet, the light for our path, right? That's what the, the God's word is for us. And we're going to stand in the authority of scripture, be in God's word. Um, have a defense for your faith. The scripture teaches us in, in Peter, right, to make a defense uh, of our faith, the hope, the faith, and the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So you, you should have a a reason why you believe what you believe. Um, know exactly why you you're a Jesus follower. It's not you know something that. You know, it's just because it feels right or it seems right or I grew up in a household or this or that. It, it's a you have a, you know, you know why you believe whether it be there's rational things, there's evidence, there's things that support um, the fact that we believe in a Jesus that has risen uh, from the grave. And there's strong evidence to support that. And so you should have and I should have a defense uh, for, for our faith. Um, we want to be on mission, as I talked about, and that's about influence. Have an influence. Invite. Influence. Invite. Influence. Invite. That was what you see in scripture. There was people that went into their sphere of influence and they invited uh, that, you know those that were you know not Jesus followers to come and see him to experience him to know what he's like and and that can happen within the context of the body of Christ and so we want to be on mission it's about influencing people inv- investing in people and then inviting them to experience and, and, and be a part of your world of faith and then last week we talked about just be in a faith community uh, being a faith community that that's so critical so important um, we talked about reason why that is, that's important. So you can go back on our website, you can go back and listen to all the, all the sermons, ser- series. I, I would encourage you to binge that. That's, it's a good binge uh, thing to listen to if you want, but uh, we have podcasts as well. But I would just encourage you to do that just because, um, not because of anything I have to say, but because what the scripture teaches, what God wants for you and for me um, in, in order for us to be a part of the, the body of Christ. And so that's sort of where we're at. So where we're gonna end today is uh, we wanna just be loving, we want to be loving, we want to be loving, we, don't, we want to be loving. Um, you know, when I was 15 years old, can you remember when you were 15 years old? When I was 15 years old, I had it all figured out. You, did, did anybody have a 15? Like, you, they have it all figured out, right? Right? Remember that? Remember that? And so, yeah, you're like, you know, when, I'm, when, I, when we were younger, we we're like, man, I got it all figured out. And then we, we say things like, man, when I can start driving, when I can start driving, I'm going to have so much freedom. Remember that? Remember, like, when I get my license, I'm going to get a car, and I'm going to go wherever I want to go, and I just have so much freedom. And then you start to realize, wait, there's gas? I got to pay for gas? Like uh, there's insurance. What's insurance? I gotta, I gotta pay for insurance. Like you gotta insure this thing, you know. Like and then, you're, and then you're like, then it starts like to break down, right? And you gotta, like, gotta take care of the maintenance of it, right? Anybody remember that? Remember these these times, right? Or remember like when I graduate from high school, life is good. I, and I, when I graduate from high school and I get a, my own job, I'm gonna have so much money. Remember this, right? You're like, I can't wait to graduate. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to have so much money. I can buy, you know, whatever I want to buy. But then you start to realize how expensive, It is, the cost of living is, right? You know how, you remember, you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know about like, I got to pay this bill. Like I got to do, I got to pay that bill. I got this, this responsibility, got all these things. Like we, we sort of like get into this or remember, remember you're like, when I get married, I'm never going to be lonely and all my desires are going to be met. (laughs) Remember that? Yeah, yeah, and then you're like, got married, and you're like, oh, no. Just kidding, hun. Love you. She was thinking the same thing. She was thinking the same thing. Oftentimes, what happens is, is that we have all these sort of misconceptions, don't we? We we sort of have these false assumptions. We it's part of just growing up and it's part of maturing and, and that's sort of what Paul was sort of saying, and you know I remember when I was a kid, you know uh, when I was you know somewhere in elementary school or whatever, and I was a you know kid, and you know, I think a teacher said, you know hey what do you what do you want to do you know when you grow up what, what do you want to do when you grow up you know and I, and I was like, I want to be you know a professional basketball player and you remember, like, those times where maybe your, your, your son or your daughter or child or whatever, you know, they, they tell you those things, you know, and you just kind of smile. And you're like, you try to, you're like, oh, that's great, honey. But inside you're going, there's no chance. <laughs> you're right. You know, it's just like all of us have those times when we grow up, you know, it's like we have those moments. And so Paul, what Paul is saying, he's saying this in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child. I used to think like a child. I used to reason like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. You see, here's what Paul is saying. He says, we don't yet speak to things with maturity. We don't yet speak to things With maturity. You're like, well, I'm not a child anymore. I've grown up and I've realized like it's, it's, you know, it's not the end all be all, you know, after I got my driver's license or after I got, you know, my, my first job or after I got married or whatever, or after, you know, I, I, I don't say those things anymore, but within, in the, in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to this life, here's the truth, here's the truth, here's a reality for all of us. We don't yet speak to things with maturity, We still have a long ways to go when it comes to spiritual maturity. And then Paul gives another example of this. Look what he says. He says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully Known, in other words, we don't yet see things with clarity either we don't yet speak to things with maturity, and we don't yet see things right now with clarity and and, and here's here's the here 's the thing, and all of us sort of have like this this View on life in the, in the, we see it in, in a way that we think that we have all the answers and we, we think we know everything and we think that we can see things clearly for how they really are. And what Paul is reminding us is this you don't yet have the maturity to understand fully what God is doing in this world and you don't have the vision to see clearly what God says that you, you know, you ought to see in this world we don 't yet see things with clarity here 's the description that Paul is giving to us. The description that Paul is giving to us is that when it comes to this life it 's as if anybody wear contacts or glasses in here in the room if you 're if you're watching from home, type it in the chat. Yeah, I wear glasses, I wear contacts. I wear contacts. I wear contacts and when i don 't have my contacts in. I can't see things clear at all. My vision is absolutely terrible. I have a hard time. If I don't have my contacts in and I don't have my glasses on, I can't tell the difference between my two daughters. I don't know who is who until I can put my glasses on or put my contacts in. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that we the, the, we are walking through this life right now in a mere dimly. What we, The image that we see, the image that we see is not clear. The image that we have is if, if anybody like wear sunglasses and you get smears on your sunglasses or, or, you know, and you have to wipe your sunglasses in order for you to. He says, you're, you and I are walking through this life now as if we're walking with smeared glasses or no contacts. And I've gone to the optometrist. Remember, you you know, you, you if you go to the optometrist, you, they put that you know this big. Thing, large thing over your eyes, right? And you're like, uh, and then they they kind of go through, and the and the the doctor goes, um, okay, you know, can you read, you know, the letters up on the up on the screen? And and they said, and you say, yeah, I can t- sort of make it out. And then he says, okay, there's one. And then they go, there's two. How about two? What one or two? And then you're like, and then you're like, they're both the same. Like I don't know. And they're like, right, how, how about three? And, and they're like, now you're adding numbers. Four. I'm like, wait, what's one? Right? You mean you go back to one? Right? Like all of us were like, we can't, we, 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 we sort of like live that life, life in that way. It's like we, there, we don't have, we don't have the kind of clarity that we need. And Paul says, that's the way that life is, that we think that life is clear and we think that we have the maturity, but Paul's going, you really don't, you really don't. He says, right now you need to understand that right now in this life, things are not. You see only in part. You see only in part. You only see the the little bit of the picture. It's just like, it's like sometimes, and you know this to be true, like sometimes things happen in this life and we say, why, right? Why am I going through this? Or why am am I dealing with this? Or why God would you, why would you allow certain things to happen, right? And we don't fully understand why God is allowing things to happen the way that they're happening. And it's almost like you just get a piece of the puzzle out of the whole puzzle. You only get one piece of the puzzle and you're like, what do I do? with this? And God's going, I see the whole thing. I see the whole picture. And and all we're holding is a one piece of the puzzle. That's the now that we're living in. That's the now. And there's things that in this life that we just don't understand. There's things in in this life that we just don't get. We, there's things in this life that we're going, why are certain things happening? Or why are things happening to me? Or why are things happening in the world? And why isn't God, why aren't you intervening? Or why aren't you doing something about it? And there's, there's just things that we just don't see. Why? Because Paul's going, listen, because you don't, you can't see things. You're, you're like a child compared to God. You're, you only see in part. You're looking through the lens of this world as a dim, dingy mirror. That's now. That's what we're living in. Solomon, the wisest person to ever walk this earth outside of Jesus. Solomon wrote these words. Here's what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 8. He says, When I devoted my mind to know wisdom and to see the business which has been done on the earth, even though one should never sleep day or night, He says this, "...and I saw every work of God, and I concluded that one cannot discover the work which has been done under the sun. Even though a person laboriously seeks, he will not discover, and even if the wise person claims to know, he cannot discover." He said, the wisest person to ever walk this earth said, you can walk this earth and try to figure out what God is up to, but you'll never, ever figure it out. The wisest person can say they know, but they don't know what God is doing. Why? Because right now, we only see in part Right now, we're just children, and we speak like children, and we think like children, and we reason like children. And if you think you have it all figured out, you don't. You don't. Because this life right now is like looking through a dim mirror, and you can go, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing? Why is this happening? What is this happening? You'll never know. You'll never know. I was this week. I was in a hospital room with a family. They lost their 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 father to to COVID COVID complications. Today, this today right as soon as you know, I have a burger. I, I got to head and do another funeral funeral tomorrow. And I I don't know. And people, I, I, I'm supposed to have things figured out when it comes to things of God, right? Like, people come to me and they're like, you know, pastor, what, what, why is this happening? What, what is God doing? What, what? I, don't, I don't understand. And even Paul said this. He's like, he says, Paul said it this way. If, if anybody should understand the things of God, it should be Paul, right? He goes, he goes, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. And so when people are coming, like, Pastor, what's going on? Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Why am I dealing with this? Why did I lose this? Why my health? Why did I get that call? Why did I get that bill? Why did I lose that loved one? Why didn't he answer my prayer and all these things? And you know what my response is oftentimes? You're like, that's super insensitive, Pastor. I don't know. I know, maybe you're like, I don't think I'm going to come to your church anymore because I expect you to come and give me answers of why things are happening the way they happen, but I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes things happen in this life, even in my own life. Can I just admit that? Even in my own life, I'm going, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through. I don't know why you're facing what you're facing. I don't know why you're experiencing the pain and the hurt and loss that you're going through. I don't know why your relationships are not working out. I don't know why your husband isn't being the kind of man that he you thought he would be in, in the marriage. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I just know we live in a broken world where sin is real. And it ravages through relationships and through, you know, this this world that we broken world that we live in. It just just the way that it is Is not fair you don't deserve that and you say what is God doing what is God up to does he not love us yeah he loves you but there's just some things about God that just God does that we just go I just I don't know I don't know So Paul says, hey, you know, when it comes to this life, you're like a child. You speak like a child, you think like a child, you reason like a child. If you think you have it all figured out, that's cute. If you think you know all the answers, God's like the teacher that's going, you have no idea. If you think you're seeing everything in high definition, sorry. Sorry. You're looking through this life in a dim mirror. We only see in part. We only see in part for what God is doing. So then Paul says this But now, what do we do? But now, now, right now, faith, hope, and love remain these three if for now like we just we trust, right? We trust. For now like nothing is guaranteed to remain. Can we just put on a little bit of maturity right now and say nothing in this life is guaranteed to remain. You're not you're, you're not promised The uh, You know, that God's going to spare that loved one his life, her life, that marriage. Your kids are going to do it. Your kids are supposed to do your health. Nothing is guaranteed to remain. The only thing that remains, according to Paul, the only thing in this life, because we only know in part, we only see in part, we only have the maturity like a child. He says the only thing right now that remains is our faith and our hope and our love. Those things can remain. You can have faith in Jesus that you can trust him with your life. Even though you don't understand all the things that you're going through and experiencing and dealing with, you can trust Jesus, you can hope in the promises that there is a better place for you and for me, and it's called heaven in eternity, that once we leave this crummy world where nothing is guaranteed to remain, there is a place that you can go through through your faith in Jesus, and you can be with him forever, where there is no more pain, no more sorrow, no more grief, no more disappointment, no more anxiety what a place right these are the things that we have right now faith hope and love these things remain nothing else remains nothing else remains but then Paul said this verse 13 but now faith hope love remain these three but the greatest of these is love The greatest of these is love. So here's the idea. When it comes to why God is allowing certain things to happen, I don't know what God is doing. I don't know. But you have your faith, and you have your hope, and you can still love. You have your faith, You have hope and you can still love. And he says the greatest of these is love. You know why the greatest of these is love? Because here's what Paul says. He says, says, you will know in part. You will know in part. But then you will be, then you will fully know, right? He he says, You will, you will know, you can only see the we're looking through the mirror dimly. Then he says this, but then face to face. So here's the, the good news right now. The good news is you're fi- you have faith, keep trusting him. Keep trusting him, keep trusting him. Don't quit on that, don't give up on that. Know that he's in control. Know that his ways are unfathomable, unsearchable. You can try to figure out the mind of God and you'll never figure it out. You'll never figure it out. But have faith in him. Have faith in him. Trust him that he's got the best intentions in mind for you. Trust him. And you know what happen. You know what happen. One day your faith will become sight. Your faith will, you'll see him face to face. And then your hope. The hope of the place that you can't wait to go to because there is no pain, no more sorrow, no more grief, no more hurt, no more loss, no more disappointment. Your hope will be realized. And you won't need hope anymore. You won't need faith anymore because your faith will become sight. You'll see him face to face. You won't need hope anymore because your hope will be realized too. But you know what will always remain? Love, love will always remain. And even though we only are able to love in part, and even though we're only, only able to feel love in part, that one day, that, that love will be fully known. That that love will be face to face that that love will be realized. And what will always remain, what, what, what needs to remain now and will remain forever is love. That's why Paul says, in the greatest of these, faith, well, your faith will become sight. Hope, oh, your hope will be realized. That will end. But we'll, what will always endure is love. That's why love is the greatest. So, love. Love. Right now, faith, hope, love. So because love's the greatest, let's spend a couple minutes looking at what love should do and what love demands of us. Love moves us to lend a hand. Love moves us to lend a hand. It was the night that Jesus was going to be <clears throat> betrayed, and he asked his guys to go and find an upper room, and they will go into someone 's house, and they said, "The Lord wants to use your space upstairs. Can we set up our Passover meal or last or supper together in this space and So they go, and they head towards the house, and they walk up into the space that was prepared for their Passover meal, and come into the room, and at that time, the tables were much lower, and they didn't have chairs like you and I are able to sit in today, and the disciples start sitting down, and food is starting to be, to come out onto the tables, and One of the customs was that the lowest of servants in that household is supposed to come and begin to wash feet. That was the job of the least of all the servants in the home. If you're thinking of in terms of like a corporation or a business, it was the intern. It was an internship job for somebody to come in and do the dirty work, literally. And these guys didn't wear cool kicks like me. They wore sandals, and their feet were gross. Their roads weren't paved. They were dusty and dirty and muddy. And they came in and sat down, and there was no servant there. There was no intern. It must have been last minute. The interns were sent home early. And so Jesus decides that he's going to take a towel and a bowl of water, and he begins to wash the feet of his disciples and he's washing their feet and they're they're starting to feel really really uncomfortable by this and Peter's starting to say well listen Lord I I, you shouldn't be washing my feet I should be washing your feet but Jesus just insisted he insisted to just keep washing their feet and then he said this to them after he gets done washing their feet he says in verse 14 and John 13, he says, so if I, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. He's like, if if I, your Lord, your master, your creator, your maker, if I come and I'm willing to wash your feet, don't you think that you also ought to wash one another's If I can, as Lord and teacher, take on the role of the least of all the servants in the household, don't you think that you also ought to wash one another's feet? And he says in verse 15, he says, for I gave you an example so that you also would do just as I did for you. Jesus is saying listen this what I'm not teaching is is that what I'm not saying is you should be washing people's feet at every opportunity you get and at this point we should all be like oh shoo good because there's nothing more gross than stinky dirty feet right There's nothing more disgusting, right? Like in the summertime, I've got a lot of kids. They've got a lot of shoes, and all the shoes they need to be out in the garage because they stink. They smell bad. I mean, we've got we've got we should put have stock in these deodorizer balls, right? You know, do you ever need these deodorizer balls? These balls that go into shoes. Parents, if you don't know about the deodorizer balls, you're welcome. You're welcome. You need to go and get some of those, all right? You need, and maybe you need to put some in your own shoes. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So there's nothing worse than that, but Jesus was willing to get down into the gross, stinky, smelly dirtiness and to say, I'm just giving you an example of how what love requires, what love demands of us. And what love demands of us is to lend a hand, lend a hand. In some, I, know, I know you're busy. You got stuff to do. You got places to go. You got people to see. You got all this. You got work. You got you to make it. Listen, I get all that. But listen, we must, we must have time in our schedules, slow down enough in our schedules to, to be able to lend a hand to someone because that's what love does. And we know this, love's an action. Love's not a feeling, it's an action. And we love, we love because God says, listen, listen, this is an example. That. Love lends a hand, that's what love does, lends a hand. He goes on to say this, verse 16, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one is sent greater than the one who sent him. He says, look at it, look at it he says this next, verse 17. If you know these things, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. You want to be blessed. That word blessed means actually happy. You want to you have some joy and some happiness. You want to feel blessed in your life. Love somebody. Love somebody. I, Jesus just gave an example that worked within his culture where people, when they walked into a meal, they needed to wash their feet and it was the job of the servant to do that. And Jesus is going, listen, just like I showed you an example to love, you should love too because if I, your Lord, and if I, your master, loved you in that way, you also ought to love one another in that way. I don't know what an example is for you, but you know, you know, you know what you can do. You know how you could lend a hand. You know how you could meet a need. You know how you could go out of your way. You know, you could make a phone call or make a visit or buy something or whatever the case is, give your time. You know what you can do. I don't need to give you examples. You guys are smart people. even though sometimes we speak like a child and think like a child and reason like a child. But you've become mature adults and you know how to love. Because love lends a hand. Love lends a hand. It should move us to do that. And when you do it, you know, you know, but when you do it, you'll you'll be happy. You'll be happy. You'll be happy. I shared this before. Like sometimes it's like, how many, like working out, right? It's like working out. You don't want to do it. But after you do it, you're glad you did, right? You don't want to be inconvenienced. You know, a big part of, of being a Jesus follower, you know, a big part, a big teaching of that, which is not popular in this culture, a big part of being a Jesus follower is being inconvenienced. Like, I'm sorry, but like you, if you read the Gospels and you read the epistles, you'll see that it's a lot of inconvenience, but it's, 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 that's the way of being a Jesus follower. And sometimes you're going to be inconvenienced. But when it's all said and done at the end of the day, <laughs> if you do it, you're going to be happy. you're going to be glad. You did. Love is the most important command. Love is the most important command. Jesus said, Matthew 22, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Then he says this, this is the great and foremost command. And then he says in verse 9, he says, the second is like it. In other words, the second is equal to it. It's equal to it. It's, 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 he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, this is the, this is the greatest command. This is the greatest command. Now, if I told my girls, girls, Clean your room. And my girl said to me, I don't feel like it. That's bad for them. You have kids? Like, if I, girls, I want you to clean your room. I don't feel like it. I don't care if you don't feel like it. I gave you a command, do it. Like, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. I told you to do it. And I expect you to do it. And Jesus is saying, hey, I don't love. It's not a feeling. Love is a command. I know they've hurt your feelings. I know they betrayed you. I know they talked about behind you about about behind your back. Oh, I know they walked out on you. Oh, I I know I know I, I I've heard I've heard them all I've heard them all I've heard them all and I and I experienced a lot. Listen, I know I know I know. And sometimes, sometimes, I don't feel like loving. I'm just just being super transparent, honest pastor today. All right. I don't feel like loving. But it's not a feeling. It's a command. We're told to love. That's why Jesus is, a, listen, listen. Jesus is going, listen, you have heard that it was said to love your neighbor and to hate your enemy. Like naturally we're going, oh, that sounds right, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, L- love love my neighbor, even though my neighbor's hard to love. But you know, I But love my neighbor, hate my enemy. But Jesus said this, he goes, no, 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 but I say to you, game changer, but I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. I don't wanna pray for my enemy. I don't wanna love the person that persecute me. I don't feel like it. They hurt my feelings. They've wronged me. They stabbed me in the back. They walked away. And Jesus is going, listen, it's not about a feeling. It's about you doing what I ask you to do. And when you do it, you'll be blessed. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Third point, final point. Love is meant to be our brand. Love is meant to be our brand. It's what we're to be as Jesus followers, as Christians. It's our brand. It's what we're about. It's what, how people know us, recognize us. And Jesus even almost rebranded a command. So Jesus said, listen, listen. He says, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says, those are the, the most important. Those are the most important commands. And you do that, not because you feel like it, but you do it anyways, because that's what love does. That's what love does. He says, then he says, I'm going to then rebrand it a little bit. He says, I, love is, is meant to be our brand. He says, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So Jesus is going, yeah, love God with all of your heart, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's, an, that's the old covenant command. All the laws and the prophets hang on those two things, but I'm going to break it down to you. I'm going to rebrand us, and I'm going to give us one command. One command. And the one command is, Not that you love your neighbor as yourself, but that you love your neighbor as Jesus loved you. Game changer. Because it's easy for us to go, well, I can love them like I love me. But it's a whole different level of love when we say, I can love them Like Jesus loved me. Woo. But that's our brand. That's our brand. Because look at Jesus says next, verse 35. By this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He says, you know how people will know that you're a Jesus follower? By the way, do you love one another? By the way, you love. That's how people will know. I mean, it, you know, not because you feel like it, not because it's like it's, you've been overwhelmed emotionally with this ability to love that, you know, God gave you. No, 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 no. He says, you just love. It's what, you, it's what you're commanded to do. And you just lend that hand when you can, possibly lend that hand, even though, you know, it's not your, you know, you don't have time for it. It's inconvenient for it. He says, listen, it's what we do. It's what we do. It's how people will know that you are my disciples by how you love people. How you love one another. How you love your coworker. How you love your boss even though your boss doesn't deserve it and you don't want to and you don't feel like it, but you love him or her anyways. It's our brand. He said all this. All this it's not, not not how much scripture you know, not how many times you go to church, you know, not how, what you write on your you know Facebook page, you know, not what your story is. Listen, you know how people will know that you're my followers? Because you love just like I loved you sacrificially, unconditionally. And in spite of what people have done to you, you still turn and you love them back. Whoa, will that speak volumes? How do you love when they did that to you? How do you still treat them that way when they wronged you? How do you still, still care about them after they betrayed you? You say, because that's what I did to Jesus and yet he still loves me. And if Jesus did it for me, if he washed my feet, I'm gonna go and wash someone else's feet because that's the kind of love that was shown to me. And I don't, they don't deserve my forgiveness and I don't feel like forgiving them, but I'm gonna do it anyways because that's the kind of love that Jesus exhibited for me. It's our brand. By this, all people will know that you are his disciples. I wonder, I wonder if we should rebrand. I wonder if we should rebrand. I wonder if you and I should, we, if we should rebrand. You know why? Because here's a, a Christian, here's what a Christian is known for. Judgmental, homophobic, hypocritical, exclusive, bigoted, divisive, hostile, contentious, self-righteous. This has been a pretty accurate description of a Christian in the last 20 months or so. Right here. This is what I've seen. This is what I've read. This is what I've experienced. Right here. But a disciple, a disciple, a disciple is caring, kind, patient, compassionate, encouraging, forgiving, gracious, and grateful. I don't know, maybe you, maybe you need to rebrand. Maybe you, if we're honest with ourselves, more fall into this, in the Christian category. And you need to say, you know what, I'm not a Christian. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm a Jesus follower because Christian can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people but when you specifically say I'm a Jesus follower that's a whole different brand because a Jesus follower what we see in scripture in the gospels and the epistles Jesus follower that, that was this was them right here that is what they look like that's what they look like So for now, faith. For now, because we only see in part, because we don't have clarity and we don't have the maturity to fully understand what's going on in this world. For right now, faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. Love moves us to lend a hand. Love is our greatest command. In love is our brand. It's our brand. Let's love for right. Let's faith, hope, love right now. All the other details, all the other things in this life, you know what you can do? I don't know. I don't know. Why are certain things happening? I don't know. Why is this going on? Well, I don't know. Why am I feeling this? I don't know. But for me, For you, I just have faith. I just have hope. And I'm just going to love. I'm just going to love. We give up leverage when we give up love. We give up leverage when we give up love. Let's not lose our leverage. And let's rebrand ourselves. I'm not a Christian. I'm a Jesus follower i'm not a christian i'm a disciple of jesus let's rebrand ourselves and when you do that you'll lend a hand when you do that you'll follow his command and when you do that you'll stay on brand as a jesus father let's not lose our leverage let's not give up leverage We will if we give up on love. Let's pray. Father, we see in part. We're looking through this life like a dim mirror. But one day our faith will become sight. One day our hope will be realized and we'll fully know why you allowed certain things to happen the way that they happen and we'll certainly fully know that we were always fully known by you and god for now we just are gonna love because love will always remain love happens now love happens forever And we can just love in part. We can love just like, as like a mere dimly place, but God, we're just gonna love. We're gonna lend a hand when we can. We're gonna do what you call us to do, ask us to do, even when we don't feel like it. And God, we're gonna be on brand because that's who disciples are. That's what Jesus followers are. We love one another just like you loved us. That's what you call us to do and to be. And when we do that, you'll get all the glory and we'll, we'll be happy. We'll be blessed. God, help us to be people that are the church. We take our mission to the market. We go from the seat to the streets that we're being the church and being the church It just loves It loves people It loves all sorts of people Caring, kind, compassionate Gentle Joyful, grateful Forgiving Ah, That's what we're called to do That's what we're here for We keep our faith We hold on to our hope like an anchor And we just keep loving Until we're fully Known Holy see what you're doing in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.